Welcome to this week's Boss to Boss podcast. In our interviews, we feature remarkable sales and marketing minds doing imaginative things in often unimaginative markets, usually from the world of B2B. Kerry Harrison is the founder of the award-winning Tiny Giant, an agency launched in 2018 to help forward-thinking businesses harness the creative power of AI and other emerging technologies. Kerry is joining us today to share her thoughts on what I think are some of the most interesting aspects of marketing and business today. At least I'm assuming they're her thoughts and not those of a machine she's pre-programmed this morning. On the agenda, we have as follows. The reason why confusion still seemingly reigns on matters concerning AI and machine learning in business, how Kerry and her colleagues are breaking down those perceptual barriers, one mojito at a time, and why every digital transformation project should begin with a creative session that demonstrates what AI is really all about, and why humans and machines both need one another if they're ever to achieve their potential. Kerry, thank you so much for joining us. So just to kick off then, many people have no real grasp, in my opinion, of what AI and machine learning really even mean. On the other hand, you have lots of people who are seemingly terrified of it, fearing that it is going to steal their jobs and remove any sense of meaning from their lives. Why do you feel there's so much confusion surrounding these topics? I think one of the key reasons that people get confused or afraid is probably because of the way that we've been presented with AI through our lives. You know, a lot of that comes from movies and books and things like The Terminator, which always feel really quite scary. I think also, and one of my bugbears, I guess, is the idea of, of the media. The, you know, the media do like a bit of scaremongering, I think. There's often those headlines about AI coming to take our jobs or AI being better at human at certain roles. It's last year, I think it was, or maybe slightly before that, where GPT-3, the open AI text generation platform, which is a a huge AI platform, came out. And The Guardian wrote an an article. And the headline on it was, a robot wrote this entire article, Are You Scared Yet Human? And I thought, you know, it's interesting because we see those kind of headlines a lot where because it grabs our attention and it gets us reading and it gets a bit scared and then we're more likely to share it and or, you know, get involved in that kind of article. So I think that doesn't help either. And, you know, I suppose also we're not necessarily educated on AI. I mean, I've gone obviously gone through the school system. No one's ever taught me about AI or machine learning. And obviously it's a new and developing thing. But Hopefully, it's on the school uh, curriculum at some point now. But, you, you know, we're not really ever taught about it. So everything that I've learned in the last three years around AI since I've been involved in this space has very much been because I've wanted to go out and learn about it. So, I've, you know, I've read books and articles and I've been to events and I've spoken to people and I've got involved in the whole process and work with developers. And, you know, that's the only way that really I've learned to know about AI and what it all means and what machine learning is. And I suppose, you know, unless you actually take that initiative, then really we can't get clear answers. And I think, you know, that's one of the things that I'm quite passionate about is getting out and and sort of educating and teaching people about AI and machine learning, because I think it's quite important that we eradicate some of that confusion, because as long as people are confused or afraid, we don't necessarily engage in the necessary conversations around AI, machine learning, and, and what it, it can do to our society. So for me, that's quite an important thing. So I do lots of talks and I go and deliver workshops wherever I can because AI, machine learning feels like it's very much owned by those big tech giants like Facebook and Google. And, you know, the average Joe doesn't necessarily know a lot about it. And if we don't know a lot, we can't question or hold people accountable. So, 
yeah, I think I think it's pretty important. But yeah, there's lots of confusion because I think, you know, it is quite a new thing and it's always evolving. And all those headlines and the, you know, Terminator robots that doesn't really help our case very much. So, yeah. Awesome. So just sort of carrying on from that then. So so it strikes me that some of the work that you do and you've just alluded to it there could act as a, a really powerful mechanism for overcoming some of those perceptual barriers, uh, particularly within, I suspect, large organisations where fear of change is almost always the greatest barrier to any transformational project. So I just want to, would you be able to give some examples of the kinds of AI machine learning activities that you you deliver, that you engage in with people, and the way that they can bring to life those otherwise abstract and mysterious concepts? Yeah, sure. So, and as I said, over the last three years, I've been working in the world of AI and, and creativity. That's my sort of sector, as it were. I mean, AI is being used for so many things in so many different sectors, but I'm really particularly interested in the way that it can be used to augment human creativity and how we can use it as you know, new jump off points or starting points for our own creative thinking. So that's kind of where I sit just before I go into the uh, into the projects, because some of them might seem a bit <laughs> a bit bonkers. But yeah, so I I suppose just go over just maybe three projects that we did at Tiny Giants. So I do my own stuff. I go out and do run workshops and the like, but I'm also part of a, I've founded a company called Tiny Giant and AI and creativity has been a really big part of, of that business. One of the first projects that we did, which was back in 2018, was to create the world's first AI curator for a science festival. So it was Cheltenham Science Festival in the UK and they they came to us. So every year they have human curators who pull together some content for the festival. And the coordinator of that festival messaged us or got, I think it was an email uh, one evening and just said, I've had this crazy idea and I feel like you guys might be able to help help me, but I'd really like to have an AI curator this year. So not, you know, along who would sit alongside the human curators for the festival. Um, and this was like a dream project for us. So we were super excited. So what one of the things the curators do each year is to come up with talk suggestions for the festival. So we needed to use an AI algorithm to help come up with a talk suggestions. So in terms of what we did, we basically got every single talk that had ever been delivered at the Cheltenham Science Festival. So 10 years worth of talks. And myself and my co-founder, we went through every every brochure from those 10 years and stripped out all of the talk titles and little sort of detail about, about the talk. And we used that and we trained a neural network, so a form of machine learning algorithm, on all of those talks. So it was able to generate its own talks. And so a, a range of talks were generated for the festival, which were very weird and wonderful. And we also had to come up with a kind of look for our algorithm, because obviously a bunch of code doesn't really sit very nicely in the front of a brochure alongside two human curators. So we, yeah, we created this kind of modern day version of Ada Lovelace from... Uh, which she yeah she was a kind of cool a character we and we called her Ada obviously after Ada Lovelace but it was A I D A and um, yeah so, so so generated lots of talks the um, machine learning algorithm generated talks and one of those was actually delivered at the Cheltenham Science Festival it was um, it was called Introvert Narwhals and um, there was lots of talks generated I mean hundreds of talks and Cheltenham couldn't decide which one to go with but we put it out on public vote on Twitter and Introvert Narwhals was chosen. So that was delivered by a natural history presenter at the Cheltenham Science Festival. So it was, a, you know, it was a talk generated by AI, but delivered by a human. And then I sat on a panel at that event as well. And we talked how about how AI was 
being used in you know creativity and also and how it was infiltrating into our culture so that was that was an, an interesting topic in terms of bringing that to life because I think Chelsea Science Festival wanted AI to become especially in that year when AI was very much you know, you know in everywhere and, and anywhere you looked there's something about AI somewhere they wanted to start conversations around AI at the festival so that was a really nice way of you know beginning that conversation and they had this kind of something you could look at where it felt quite tangible and we spoke about the process and how, how it all came to be and it was just also quite fun and uh, yeah, reached quite a lot of blogs and got quite a lot of news attention. We even t- took Ada onto um, onto BBC Radio in the morning show and gave her an AI-generated voice so she could answer questions. And you know, it was a it was a great project. So that was that was our sort of first project in that area. And then alongside that, and two other projects I've really loved as part of our businesses, and they're both alcohol-related. So I'm not really sure what that says about me. But um, the first one is uh, AI cocktails. And this was um this was a project that we did for fun really just to because we were really interested in how AI could support or help someone who is who is very creative so how it could work alongside a creative mind and um, so we again same with the with the Ada curator we trained a neural network on hundreds and hundreds of cocktail recipes so every cocktail recipe we could find. And then the neural network was able to generate new cocktail recipes. And then, you know, they in themselves, they were pretty cool. We were like, wow, these are like, <laughs> these are really like crazy. Um, and we so, but rather than just going, yeah, these are cool. We took them to a mixologist and said, can you bring, you know, the ones that you think are really exciting? Could you bring some of them to life for us? And, you know, the amazing thing about the human mixologist is he's got an amazing palate. He understands what flavors go together. And so he chose, we initially we just chose three three different cocktails, which he made up and turned into a reality. But um, yeah, one of them, for example, was a sour cherry, champagne and courgette cocktail. And he, he just made it really amazing. Because I guess if you just literally took that as the recipe, you could grate, I don't know, grate some courgette into a glass or something, it wouldn't taste so good. But, you know, he made it into like a tincture, like a kind of syrup. And, and mixed it all together and made it really amazing. It was interesting because that was just a, a fun project to see how it would inspire him to think of new ways of working or you know whether it, it could take his thinking in new directions. But the cocktails got quite a lot of coverage, interestingly. People seem to really love them. And we've, we've since, in the last like two and a half years, served them up at tech events all over the world and you know Austria, America, Berlin, just so many places and obviously in the UK as well. And I think one of the reasons, and you were saying earlier about that sort of bringing it to life a bit, is that it does bring it to life because AI is something that's not very tangible. And to actually hold a cocktail that machine learning has been a part of that, the creation of that cocktail that you're holding and drinking, it's a great conversation starter. And um, with some of the events we've done, we've also done a, an accompanying video where we you know, take people through the process. And some of the events have had that video playing, you know, at the bar so people can very quickly see, you know, how the cocktail has been created. And um, yeah, it's just nice to hold them. They, you know, they're, they're fun, uh, they're colourful and they're often a little bit weird and wonderful. But yeah, so that's been really good. And we did a similar thing with the gin as well. We created the world's first AI gin. Same kind of process, worked with a little distillery in Bristol and um and they brought they brought it to life uh, this this first AI gin we also used AI to name it as well so we trained again a neural network on hundreds of gin names and we also put some beer names in there and then I also threw in some star constellations and some like mythical creatures to give it kind of see what would come out 
And um, yeah, again, hundreds of names generated, but they chose one called Monka's Garkle, which is, um, they said it sounded slightly gin-like, but also slightly offbeat. So AI uh, generated gin went into the world, uh, Monka's Garkle, that's, that's sold out. We did a run of a thousand sort of limited edition run. And it was it was very it was very cool and very nice. When it actually won some taste awards and all sorts, so we were quite pleased about that. Um, but yeah, that's the kind of stuff I do. And then I run creative sessions in businesses and with individuals, um, mainly using art making as a, a way forward. So AI is also machine learning is also brilliant for art making. So you can create some really wonderful pieces and go through the whole sort of process of of machine learning. You know, creating a data set to training a neural network and then generating an output, which is often very beautiful and very um, or very interesting, and um, and I found this to be a really great vehicle for opening conversations around AI. I did um I did a session a couple of weeks ago at Exeter University, and it was just it, you know the art making was brilliant. It was it there was some great stuff that came out, but actually it was the conversations around it that were really important, and um, yeah, just the questions people asking, you know things about will it be like the sci-fi movies that I've seen you know will AI just infiltrate our lives do we you know how important is it that we understand it or what do, does it just sort of come into our lives and we just accept it what it is or so many questions and I, I think having something tangible whether it's a cocktail or making some art or you know drinking gin or whatever it might be those things are a really great way of, of making things feel a bit more real and understanding and I think with art making particularly because you go through that process it's a great way of understanding it in a practical way. Almost like irrespective of what the transformation project is. I mean, I guess it wouldn't even necessarily have to be AI orientated, although obviously it'd be uh, great if it was. But just as a, as a way of breaking the ice, getting people to think a bit creatively, getting people to, I guess, kind of swap that fear in their minds for a bit of excitement and a bit of positivity presumably that that's such a powerful initial mechanism is it and because so many of these projects they've sort of failed before they've even begun right because they just don't have the buy-in from people at that kind of like emotional level so presumably this is such a powerful mechanism for just getting that initial process underway yeah absolutely i mean it's it's a great way to kick off something like a, a some kind of digital transformation project and you know, if you're using AI, it's absolutely fantastic because it, it gives people a, a basic understanding. And like you say, you know, digital transformation projects, it's hard to make those successful if the team aren't on board or if people don't understand, especially with at the moment with AI and people being quite afraid of it. If you were a business who wanted to start implementing AI or automation into your business, you know, people need to be on board with that. And if they don't understand or if they're scared, they kind of, you know, might back off or they, they won't go with you on that journey. And obviously it's vital that you have people with you. So things like this do do really help. And, and as I mentioned with the with the art making particularly, you know, I can I can go into a business and people can physically go through the machine learning process, as in, you know, we would go out and take some photographs to create a data set we would then train the neural network we would then generate some pieces of art so you you know you go through the process and you understand some of the basics around how ai and machine learning actually work and then obviously we can have wider conversations because when you actually go through the process or you make something with ai or machine learning and you don't have to be able to code you know that's the thing when i go into businesses or you know into universities or even schools I use programs or platforms that don't require code. So people can experiment and explore and play. Obviously, they need to understand the processes, but you don't have to be able to code or be some kind of amazing developer to do it. You can 
play and work in the space without having to do that. So when you do that, that's when you start going, okay, so I need this data set and what does that need to look like? And when I do the training, how is this actually working? And when I've got the output, how do I feel about that? You know, the fact that as a human, I have worked alongside a machine learning algorithm to create that. How does that make me feel as a human? What, you know, is it even art? Does art need to be human, totally human? Can it be totally art if it's made by a machine? You know, all those things come up and it's and it's brilliant. So for after those sessions, and they don't need to be that long, you know, it can be anything, you know, just a half day session, people will have a much better understanding, which means then if you start implementing AI, machine learning, people kind of go, okay, I get that, I understand it. And therefore, and I know what it can do and I know what the potentials are. And I also know what the dangers are. And if, you know, then people have lose are more like to have less of that fear associated with because they they understand what they're playing with and what you as a business might be playing with. So it's just much easier to get on board. So, yeah, I, I think that I think it's re- I mean, I've not really necessarily thought about it from a digital transformation point of view, but it works absolutely perfectly. Yeah. And presumably one of the things it does in that context is demonstrate the value of human input as well. As you say, that's it's a collaborative thing and, and it could absolutely be done entirely by the machine, but presumably you can see a contrast between that and when it's more collaborative between the human and the machine. And that that must be quite an important part of, of the conversation, an important thing for people to understand. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The thing with AI is, you know, we're not at the point of AI like in the movies, you know, that's ultimately anything AI now is machine learning and someone has, you know, a human has to be involved in it to start it, as in you need a data set or you need humans to to label the whatever you need to label. You know, it's no AI is is without a human input at, at the moment, you know, what's out there at the moment. So ultimately a human is behind it. A human has decided to create that piece of machine learning or to create that algorithm and so we always have to remember that I think you kind of go oh AI is this thing and it exists in its own right and it's independent you know and maybe that will be one day in the future but right now we as human beings are making these decisions around AI and that you know that's important to understand you know no machine learning algorithm is starting on its own we are starting it and then yes for sure it goes off and and makes it once it's been trained it can then make predictions and go off and do its, its own thing essentially but yeah a human's behind all of it but what I as you said what a lot of the projects that I've done that I'm particularly interested in is is that sort of working alongside it because I'm really interested in how as humans and as you know with amazing creative minds what we can do alongside AI how it can make us think differently or how it can augment our own creative skills so I think that's that's interesting. And, you know, it's also interesting because I was thinking about going back to the cocktails. When we first started working with the mixologist, I remember, you know, talking to him over the phone and going to see him. And when we got there and I talked him through the, the recipes and he was just like, oh, I, I don't want to do it. I just, you know, AI is going to be loads better than me. It's going to come and take my jobs. I'm, I, I don't want to do it. And it was just like, oh, no, but we've agreed you're going to do it. Anyway, so talked quite a lot about it and it was it was like we just we these are a a starting point for you that I know they're not necessarily what you've seen before and what the recipes are before but you have this amazing palette and this real depth of understanding and we'd really love you to, to use it as a almost like a brainstorming you've got these new and weird and wonderful things what can you do with it and actually it took him a while but once he got into it it it's like actually I really like this and 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 interestingly on his bar 
before lockdown this was but when I went back into his bar he had this like little storage cabinet of all these like drawers all these strange things in because he just started to play with all these new ingredients that he'd never tried before and also I noticed on his uh at one point looking at his cocktail list there was this like interesting cocktail I was like oh that looks very familiar he's like yeah yeah I use that as a basic you know it's interesting watching the transition between someone being terrified and then once they get involved and realize actually as a human I still have a big part to play as a creative mind I can do something um different here you know that I think that's really interesting I'm I'm working with um, a potter at the moment as well so a, a ceramicist and we've pulled together a data set together so all these beautiful vessels that we found and that we've been really found really inspiring and we've trained uh, a neural network on all of those and it's now generated a whole series of like really cool interesting designs and she's as again as a human creative she's now picking some of those designs and saying okay I really like this kind of rip effect here and I really like the texture and I think I can make that if I do this this and this and so she's going to then make uh, a vessel using the AI generated output as as a form of inspiration which uh, which I just think so exciting um so, yeah, I, I love the idea of us working together. And I think, you know, going forward, that will become a much bigger thing in terms of the business side of things as well, that we will use AI to do some of the either inspiring stuff like I've just spoken about, but also some of the more base work that we might not necessarily really love doing at the moment. So if AI can help us to do that, it will give us more time to do more sort of strategic thinking and more interesting stuff. So, yeah, I think that would be a big, a big thing going forward. Are you aware of many um, large companies using the kind of activities that you're using? And I'm no expert in digital transformation, but I've been around a reasonable amount of it. And it seems to me that there's basically two obstacles invariably. One is a lack of data and the other is humans, basically just like not understanding it, you know, too much fear, too much, not sort of having that kind of initial buy-in and then sort of working against it. And it just strikes me that that you kind of have almost maybe not a complete solution, but a partial solution to the second one of those. And and there are so many of these projects taking place, you know, every day around the world. Um, and But without that human buy-in and, and, as you say, that sort of the, the kind of inspiration and creativity you're able to inject through these activities, I just think that could be so, so powerful. So from your um, experience, are you aware of other companies doing this? Not that I've come across. I mean... Sure, AI is being used in a lot of businesses in, in a lot of ways. And I know in things like um, in newspapers and publishing, people are starting to use AI to do some of the base work there. There are, in terms of marketing, there's big copyright, AI copywriting tools. There's companies called Frazy and Posado, which I don't know if you've heard of them, but, you know, they're, I guess they work, they don't necessarily work alongside you, but they can create things like subject lines and, um sms notifications and basic web copy and things like that so i guess some of those they can do some of the groundwork and then leave you to do some of the more interesting stuff you know as a as a copywriter for 18 years I, you know writing subject lines wasn't always always the nicest job to be doing so if an ai could come and help me to to do that or to do that on my behalf then that would be that would be great so i think there are you know there's obviously ibm watson there's lots of tools uh, gpt3 is um by open ai is a huge text generation tool which i think is starting to be used to you know underpin a lot of uh things like video gaming and all sorts of things so i think there are those big platforms i don't know how many businesses are tapping into them from a creative point of view um but yeah, that idea of working alongside, I think, 
is becoming a bit more commonplace but in terms of the creativity I don't I don't really know I'd love to if there's anyone out there that is I'd love to talk to them because I yeah I do sometimes think it'd be really nice to work with other people who are working in a similar space just so we could chat and bounce off each other and see how people are using it creatively but it, it still feels like it's a bit of a new thing really the creative side I mean AI and art making is is, is still quite new in itself so then you know working with creative minds is, is probably yeah even newer but yeah no, I think it's so interesting. I mean, yeah, absolutely. There's no shortage of kind of functional applications out there. But, yeah, exactly. But, but, but certainly from a creative perspective. And I think I think that, in a sense, almost needs to come first because I think without the creative, the human element, people are never really going to buy into it or never really understand uh, the fundamentals or the, the the implications. And, yeah, it just strikes me as, as such a fascinating area. Just moving on to a slightly different topic then. Over the last few years, there's been a huge emphasis on really nailing the customer journey. I just wonder if you've encountered any kind of creative ways that the kind of tech that you're using could be leveraged to enhance the customer experience or or kind of, you know, sort of elevate brands in, in other ways. Because obviously we've focused on, in a sense, the create the, the sort of internal implications so far in the conversation from a sort of employee perspective. I'm assuming that a lot of this stuff potentially could be used more sort of outwardly for the brands as well. Because I've come from a marketing background. So before setting up Tiny Giant three years ago, I worked as a copywriter and creative head and you know managed creative teams in advertising and marketing so for 18 years. So uh, although I don't necessarily work in the AI and marketing space, that feels slightly different from where I sit. I'm still obviously <laughs> interested in what's going on in that world. So, yeah, I mean, a- AI machine learning is being used a lot, I think, or starting to be used in the world of marketing. And I, I think one of the most commonplace areas is being used, and you know, everyone will, will know this, but in terms of, you know, Spotify, Netflix and Amazon, those kind of product recommendations that we see, that's all machine learning. So when you, you know, it's always amazing when you go onto Amazon, they recommend a book and you're like, oh, actually, that does sound really good. You know, it's so it's so clever. And in terms of, you know, customer experience, that's amazing that when you use Spotify, you finish playing the song and it plays another one that you that you also like. So th- those kind of things are very commonplace in our life that we but we might not necessarily go like, oh, that's AI or that's machine learning. It's just it's just so normal now to us. Um, but yeah, this you know, apart from those big tech giants, there's also publishers and content creators are starting to use that similar kind of technology so that they can um, serve up articles that they know their customers or readers are going to like, or even personalized content blocks, you know, things like that. So it's starting to be used in that way, which is, you know, will, which will be interesting to see how that works. Um, things like customer segmentation, it's, it's, it works very well there. You know, traditionally, in terms of segmentation, we've tend to group things as humans into large, relatively generic groups of, you know, around age or whether you bought before or um, where you're based, that kind of thing. Obviously, with machine learning, it's a whole different ballgame. It's it's really, you can very quickly analyze data, create much more targeted segments, and you can then also even go further than that by automatically adjusting campaigns to be more personalized for each segment. And obviously, the thing with, with machine learning is that it can detect an unlimited number and size of segments. So it can find patterns that maybe we wouldn't even think about or we wouldn't even spot. So things like that is, I think, you know, in terms of segmentation, would be, it would be really interesting to see, again, how that's working. And I'm sure, you know, lots of companies are already using that or starting to, to use that. Um, it's, I don't, also, sentiment analysis, AI and sentiment analysis. Like, and I know IBM Watson 
does that as well. And I think you can get almost a very small element of that for free if you're interested in looking at sentiment analysis. But companies are starting to to use that within their marketing and advertising. So I know this is probably last year, but I remember Dunkin' Donuts used a Google AI tool to analyze a YouTube video they were creating. So they were they were launching a new product and they wanted to see to make sure that it was a really had a really positive sentiment. They wanted to be the most positive thing they'd ever done. And so they used this Google AI tool and they were able to establish a, a sentiment score for that video they were just about to launch. And then they were able to look at every single video they'd ever done and work out the sentiment scores of those. And then they, they were then pretty sure then actually this one we're going to launch is, is the most positive that we've ever done. And what's really interesting about that is it apparently, according to the news around that, is that piece of information was was reached within 28 minutes. So it, I think, and that you know, that's the thing that it's it's the speed of of this, the the machine learning, the speed of the insights, the speed of, of the, you know the ability to to segment all those things. You know, what would have taken us so long? You know, we'd have to have watched every video individually and go, well, how do we feel after watching this? You know. But actually to be able to do in 28 minutes to go, yeah, I've got a sentiment score for all of my videos and I know this one's super positive. So let's let's launch that one. And, you know, it did. It obviously went out and did really, really well. And I've also mentioned the copywriting tools as well, like Phrasing and Posado, which are out there already working in the, in the world of marketing. And then in terms of creative uses, and I, and I think, you know, a lot of the things that I've just talked about are very much quite practical things, more about efficiency and effectiveness. There's a couple of creative uses. So um, Lexus did, and again, this was probably a while ago. So it's like, I think this was probably 2018 as well. Lexus did an ad, which was the first AI written TV ad. And um, I didn't, I'm not sure if you remember that, but they, yeah, they used AI to generate a, a script for their latest TV ad. And they also use sentiment analysis in that too. So they used as a data set, hundreds and hundreds of Can Lion award-winning scripts. So, you know, it was already being based on something that they knew, you know, very good scripts already. They used sentiment analysis to see which parts of those uh, scripts resonated most with the with the audience. And then they they created this um, AI generated script. But as going back to the human side of things, it wasn't just like, oh, let's just take this script. It was like, let's give it to Kevin McDonald, who's like an award winning film director. And he can then take this script and turn it into this ad. And I'd love to have seen that process of how much that film director added to that actual to that to that process but yeah so it launched I have to say it's probably not the best ad I've ever seen but I I really admired their innovative approach and saying okay let you know what can this do and and what's possible and um, yeah you know it's cool it got a lot it got a lot of column space for them as you can imagine as a as a brand so there's also that's that side of things as well you know talking back back to our AI gin you know we work with a very small gin distillery in Bristol and that when the gin launched i think it hit something like five continents within the first two days i don't know it just it literally went everywhere and this tiny little industry in bristol just had coverage in all these huge um publications so there was a point i'm not sure if you'd get that so much now you know when we were doing these creative projects there's a lot of um if you did something with ai that was a bit interesting and different you'd get a lot of column space you'd definitely get noticed people would would talk about you and I guess I feel like now the new thing is the whole NFT world you know if you say NFT now everyone I don't know it fills so many column spaces but you know there's that PR side of thing as well um there's also a really nice campaign that was done by uh, a charity called Malaria No More 
it's worth looking up it's really good it's um it's got david beckham in it and he uh using a range of machine learning tools they enabled him to speak multiple languages so he delivered this kind of talk at a kitchen table and just uh very very seamlessly moved between so many different languages and um and it was all, all about malaria and combating malaria so it's quite an important message to deliver but i know that video in the wider campaign reached something like 1.6 billion people worldwide so sometimes i suppose using machine learning in a creative way definitely gets you noticed and it, it, that video got shared a lot but also I suppose because you could seamlessly translate and what happened using the technology you know David Beckham's mouth moved it was it was kind of using that deep fake technology which is called first order motion because uh, deep fakes always associated with really uh, negative things but um so he he delivered it and it, it looked it looked really amazing, but obviously because he could speak in multiple languages, he was able to, you know, resonate with more people. So, and it would just be great to see more people getting involved and in doing interesting things. And I suppose it was the same with the Ada, the our, um, AI curator for the Children's Science Festival, you know, actually that got a lot of column space as well. And it just, it, it was just interesting. And we started starting her off actually that initially just the curator was just to generate a range of talk suggestions for the for the festival back in 2019 but then during covid that festival went online and then she became the face of the the online festival and we're now taking her further and developing her into a into a sort of virtual character so she's now like a 3d character almost like a 3d influencer and um, virtual influencer so she can be a representative for for, for women in science or for you know science in general across uh, you know for younger people and activists and all sorts so she's doing a lot more so sometimes what starts as a very small creative project can also go much further and the coordinator of the Child Science Festival Marika she's she's really into you know constantly evolving and developing and using technology as it all so that's been a, a really nice project yeah I mean there's, there's so much you can do that's awesome that's awesome um are there any from a, I guess, more of a kind of B2B, you know, I just wonder, are there any kind of creative sort of um, applications of AI machine learning from a, from a user experience perspective that you're you're sort of particularly aware of? Not necessarily. I mean, I think the, I think the close will be in terms of project I've worked on, the, the Ada one we've just been talking about, because now Ada is a representative for science. So we're working with other businesses yeah, I, I still think it's very early days, really. And I suppose, you know, the big advertisers and B2C are going to be the ones that, that adopt it initially. But yeah, not not that I know of, but I'm sure there are. I just, they're just not sitting in my, necessary in my space right now. Yeah, yeah. No, it's so interesting. And often a conversation I have with people about this stuff, it always strikes me that a common theme in all those conversations is people will say, you know, it's still kind of very early on. We're still, you know, we're not quite at that point. A lot of these, certainly in the B2B world, a lot of things that we refer to as things like machine learning very often are actually fairly rudimentary forms of robotics and technology that may have existed for quite a long time, but they may have been kind of rebundled, repackaged and sort of resold to the market uh, with a slightly different value proposition. But this conversation has given me a sense that maybe we're not as far away as sometimes I think we are from maybe reaching that inflection point where, you know, all industries look at this stuff as actually just kind of a fundamental part of their toolkit. Yeah, I, f I feel like that. I think that will become the case. And, you know, even in the last three years, I've noticed that machine learning tools have become 
much more democratized and accessible you know you don't I think you know even three years ago we were working very closely with developers to help us to bring anything to life and actually now I can and I you know I am learning to code but it's not I'm not a developer by any means but it's uh you know it's accessible for me I can go in and I can make art with machine learning or I can use a a notebook um, on Google Colab that's been shared on GitHub and I can make something with that. And, you know, things like I was saying about Frazy and Posado, the copywriting tools and things like copy.ai, you know, they are things you can use as a business or even as an individual and go and explore it. And I think as, as that happens, I think as more people start making tools which are accessible to the non-coders or to smaller businesses so I think you know massive huge corporates can start using these things a lot sooner than small businesses but you know the copy AI for example if you want to help with your copywriting you know a small business could use that and it's it's totally accessible and, and that's just one tiny example in a very small um, niche area but and that I think that will happen a lot more that people will be able to harness machine learning and AI for themselves even in a as a small business and start using it to save themselves time and effort or or even to stimulate new creative thoughts or ideas to help them to innovate and create new products and, and things like that so yeah I, I do think it would just it is like you say it is still very early days but even in the three years I've been working here to, there's been such a huge development in that time and I just yeah I can imagine that in the next three there'll be even more and actually people will just be using it and it'll be quite no, probably be quite normal know that it'll just be kind of like oh yeah we do that and it's machine learning or say i you know underpins that piece of technology and that's the way it works <laughs> but yeah it'll be, it'll be inter- it's interesting to see you know because it's just yeah it's just changing all the time that's that's awesome i mean even just this conversation has triggered a whole bunch of kind of thoughts and ideas in my mind so i can only imagine what, what one of those uh well cocktail making ai classes must uh must be like now awesome stuff well, look thank you so much for your time Kate. really really enjoyed it um, yeah, I've been really looking forward to this one. So uh, thanks ever so much for sharing all of your experiences and, and ideas. Pleasure. It's lovely. Thank you so much for having me.